You're listening to Feminist Current, making waves in the mainstream. You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. On October 19th, the Liberal Party of Canada won a majority government, beating out the much maligned Harper Conservatives. Liberal Party leader Justin Trudeau has made a number of commitments to minority groups, including women and Indigenous communities. Whether or not he follows through on these commitments remains to be seen. On Tuesday, I spoke with Dr. Pamela Palmiter, a Mi'kmaq lawyer, associate professor, and chair in Indigenous Governance at Ryerson University about what can and should change in Canada with regard to Indigenous rights now that the Conservative government has been ousted. Here is that interview. So the Harper government's out, the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau are in. What's been your reaction to this changing of the guard generally? Well, I think my first reaction is just utter relief that the Harper government is gone. Um, completely aside from who gets in, he really had to go. He was less of a government, more of a dictatorship, and there was no relationship with Indigenous peoples at all. So that hopefully can only get better from there. Um, I think most people, uh, myself included, would have preferred some kind of minority combination so that we could get away from another majority government that has, you know, too much power in terms of legislation and and budgets and things like that. But it is what it is. And Justin Trudeau has a an amazing opportunity, you know, to really be a leader, not a politician and, you know, make up for a lot of wrongs and, and create a better path going forward. Um, I, I was, you know, um, in, in terms of his promises, I mean, they're pretty extensive. If he has a, he has a long list of promises. Many of them include other, uh, issues. And so if, if he only even does half of these promises, we will make, you know, significant advancements. But I, I'm, I'm still very cautious because we have to keep in mind that all of the, the social ills in First Nations didn't just come about in the last 10 years that really successive liberal and conservative governments have both had a hand in, you know, the dispossession of Indigenous peoples and the ongoing oppression. And, you know, the liberal pa- the liberals have a history with the white paper and putting a cap on education and not dealing with contaminated water on reserves. So, mm-hmm. um it's not like I expect everything's going to be perfect now, but he certainly has a, a new opportunity to right some wrongs. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about the Liberal government's history in terms of treatment of Indigenous issues in Canada and you know mm-hmm. what some of your concerns are surrounding that history and, and what might happen in the future. Sure. Well, the former Prime Minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, and I believe Jean Chrétien was the Minister of Indian Affairs at the time, developed uh, the 1969 White Paper, 
which uh, many chiefs were hoping would be about a new relationship with First Nations, and instead it was a paper designed to eliminate Indians, eliminate reserves, do away with treaty rights, and pretty much forget the entire history and that they have any, you know, sovereign or legal rights in, in Canada. And that was such a huge offense to First Nations across Canada. Uh, and considering most First Nations have treaty relationships with Canada, that this this was, a, you know, the greatest offense and organized protests all across the country until they agreed to withdraw the white paper. So there's a real history of a lack of trust uh, with the Liberal government, and and then you have to look at, you know, all of the other things they did. It was it was the Liberal government that actually implemented the two percent cap on education, which has literally um, decimated First Nation education uh, on reserve and has created a list of almost fifteen thousand. Uh, students waiting to go to post-secondary education because there's just no money. And, you know, while while there's a lot being said now about the contributions that will be made to education, they have to admit that they had a significant hand in, in putting us there. Uh, and, and just take, for example, the crisis of murdered and missing Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. You know, the reports and the statistics, they weren't just under Harper's reign. They go back for decades, and the same with all of the First Nations kids in care, and you know the same with all of the boil water advisories and the housing crisis and the failure to really address treaties and land claims. Um, so the one thing I will say about the Liberals is that they they at least had uh, some kind of relationship with First Nations. There was always processes on the go, um, or. Uh, meetings being had, whether or not they were fruitful is another thing, but there was at least some kind of relationship. And I guess the kind of key difference between the Liberal Party and, and the Conservatives, this, you know, last tenure Conservative Party, is that everything was so much worse under the Harper uh, government. So, you know, over-imprisonment of Indigenous peoples has been a long issue under Liberal and Conservative governments, but under Harper the incarceration rate increased by 56%. Mm-hmm. So we're, ta- we're talking about massive changes, and we're talking about a government who looked at murdered and missing Indigenous women and said, well, that's not really high on our radar. Uh, Justin Trudeau seems to be saying it's not just high on his radar, but he's committing to an inquiry on murdered and missing Indigenous women. So it, while they have a problematic history, um, Justin Trudeau has tried, at least throughout the campaign, to distance himself from it. So he had issued statements saying that, you know, they no longer believe in the white paper and, you know, the complete elimination of of First Nations and treaty rights and things like that, and that they they realize um, where they, you know, they went wrong in terms of funding and they want to go forward in a different way. So... You can't erase that history. It's part of why things are so bad right now. But like I said, he has an opportunity if he's if he's going to live up to even half of these promises uh, to make significant difference. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, in his victory speech, he talked about a renewed nation-to-nation relationship with Indigenous mm-hmm. peoples that respects rights and honors treaties. Were he to follow through on that commitment... What would that entail from your perspective? 
Well, I mean, think about what he is promising. So aside from very specific, you know, singular items like an inquiry on murder to missing Indigenous women, that's very specific, and dealing with water and funding for education, he's also talking about this nation-to-nation relationship, implementing the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, and all 94 recommendations of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So those three things combined could completely change the way in which First Nations and uh, federal and provincial governments engage with one another if he does it right. So if if nation-to-nation relationship just means a bunch of meetings once a year with the prime minister, that's not going to mean anything. We've already seen the disaster of the Crown First Nation gathering with Harper. Nothing came from that except a whole bunch of funding cuts. So I think if he's really talking about nation to nation, then it's no longer going to be about the Assembly of First Nations and the Minister of Indian Affairs meeting behind closed doors. That nation to nation is going to be the Mi'kmaq Nation and the Prime Minister or Treaty 4 and the Prime Minister, however you know, First Nations wish to you know, organize themselves in terms of that nation-to-nation relationship. And it's also going to mean there has to be some recognition of the fact that we're, we're sovereign nations with our own jurisdiction, our own lawmaking abilities, something a little bit more meaningful than the current self-government negotiating process where the government says what you can have and what you can't have, and it's it's very much regulated by the federal government. I think nation-to-nation fundamentally... Uh, means something else. Mm-hmm. Would never consider Canada would go to Washington and pollute, you know, the land in Washington without consulting and getting an agreement from the United States. Well, that's the that's the same deal. We have indigenous territories where we need to start having a conversation about, at a minimum, joint management and exclusive management in some areas. And as you mentioned, Harper explicitly refused to launch a national inquiry into Canada's mm-hmm. missing and murdered women. Trudeau promises he'll do this. Um, what will that mean for Indigenous women in Canada? You know, why is it, why is the national inquiry important? It's important for several reasons. One is, think of the families of, of all of those who've gone murdered and missing over the many decades. They, many of them have asked for this inquiry. They want a chance to share their voice, share their experience, and perhaps learn something from the common experience of Indigenous families all over the country, not unlike uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where the survivors of residential schools got to have their voice. But the other thing is really to shine a light in the really dark places that we haven't had a conversation about. So when we're talking about murdered and missing Indigenous women, there's been a lot of discussion in the media around, you know, the social causes of what makes Indigenous women vulnerable. So lack of housing, education, food, lack of family support, uh, those kinds of things. But what we haven't talked about is the state's involvement uh, or culpability in Indigenous women and little girls going murdered and missing, like RCMP being accused of raping and disappearing Indigenous women, of Canadian judges. You've, been, you've now got eight officers in the province of Quebec who are suspended for numerous allegations of, of assault and, and sexual abuse against Indigenous women. And I believe this is only scratching the surface. So a, an inquiry that's done properly 
not just by the government, but at least a joint process with, with government uh, affected families and Indigenous experts, which is very targeted. So something that's meaningful, not just a bunch of research papers, but with the power to compel evidence, compel witnesses, um, access documents, and specifically for police forces across the country, for um, healthcare providers, social workers, the whole gambit, anyone who's ever been involved in uh, the, the deaths of Indigenous peoples, especially Indigenous women and little girls, or their assault or abuse is something that needs to come to light. And I think it has to be very, very targeted. And that's going to be difficult for him because people are going to want him to make this inquiry a research project, give the AFN, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars and let them do some research. And I think the majority of people are wanting something much more impactful and specific than that. Now, Aboriginal women and girls are more likely to be victims of violence than men and non-Aboriginal women, and they're more likely mm -hmm. to die as a result. Why mm -hmm. is that? And, you know, what needs to be done in, t in order to address this crisis? I mean, obviously, this is a huge problem, and there's so many factors involved here, but we need to take steps. <laughs> Exactly. And, and there's lots of distractions and there's lots of tangents, but at the end of the day, racism kills. And if you look at the statistics, it bears that out. So Indigenous women are less likely to die from homicide, you know, at the hands of their spouse than Canadian women. They're more likely to die at the hands of uh, an, an affiliation or a stranger than Canadian women. And, and that says something. They're less likely to get help from police. They're less likely to have files open. And the victim inquiry only scratched the surface of that in BC. You now have numerous reports from the United Nations saying that the, the infection of racism in the Canadian justice system has allowed this to continue. Look at the Donald Marshall inquiry the Manitoba Justice Inquiry, the Iperwash Inquiry, Picton Inquiry, there's a common factor here. And that's that the justice system, every single player in it is infected with racism and, and imputes less value on the lives of Indigenous women and girls than other Indigenous women and girls. And, and that, ends, that leads to our deaths. I mean, it's, it's literally lethal. It's not just offensive but it's, uh, it's a risk to our life, and it, and it continues today. Um, here we are talking about murdered and missing Indigenous women not being high on the former Prime Minister's radar while they're still pulling little girls out of the Red River in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a significant problem. And if you look at you know, the very detailed account in the Human Rights Watch report, which detailed an entire detachment of RCMP participating in uh, the rape and assault of young Indigenous girls, um, RCMP who are alleged to have assisted the former provincial court judge David Ramsey in his assault and sexual assault of young Indigenous girls before he went to prison for it. That we, the, the racism is, has literally infected our system, and so it's, we can no longer just talk about one or two bad apples. 
this has been going on for far too long. It's a significant problem. A little bit of cultural awareness training isn't going to change it. Things things have to be turned on their head. We really need a radical transformation of what is policing and what is the state's role in all of, of what's been happening. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a problem of trafficking um, mm-hmm. of Indigenous women and girls, both within Canada, both on and off reserve, as well as across borders. You know, we learned a while back that Indigenous women in southern Ontario were being sold on U.S. ships into the sex trade. Um, what role can our new government play in addressing this issue? Well, they could first and foremost look at it in the same way that the United Nations. There's been no less than four reports from the United Nations calling on Canada to consider this issue of murdered, missing, and and traded Indigenous women, girls, and babies as a national crisis. And if you're facing a national crisis, you need to have an emergency action plan right off the bat. How is it that we protect these women right now? And Canada spent billions of dollars on national security and public safety and national defense. They have enough means and expertise together with First Nations to work together and identify the best ways about going protecting Indigenous women and girls right now, let alone the Indigenous women and girls themselves. They They have been completely unheard in all of this. Um, people are asking, you know, political experts and police, uh, police and, and other people, but the women and children themselves can say, well, the reason why I'm vulnerable, the reason why these things happen is because you keep putting me in a hotel every time you take me away from my family, which, and the pimps just stand outside in Winnipeg and just wait for all of these young girls to come out. No wonder they go missing. And so I think... Any kind of emergency action plan has to have the voices in the direction of the Indigenous women and girls themselves, together with all these other resources, um, to have an emergency action plan now for safety. While we're talking about an inquiry, because that'll take a while, but there's a crisis and we need to, to take steps to protect you know, these women and girls now, and some of them are babies. The early research is showing that some of the people that were traded were actual babies. Hmm. Um, you know, finally, and this is a big question, these are all big questions, mm-hmm. um, due, of course, to colonialism, um, the genocide facilitated through the residential schools, ongoing racism and marginalization, Indigenous people mm-hmm. in Canada are suffering from an intergenerational trauma that's been compounded mm-hmm. over decades and decades and decades and is ongoing today. I wonder if you can talk about the results of this trauma and what steps the Liberal government can and must take in order to support communities and to enable healing in those communities. Mm -hmm. Well, I think first and foremost, no matter what any of these issues are, the government has to change what it does. It has to take direction from those who are impacted. So if we're talking about murdered and missing Indigenous women, you need to take direction from the women. Um, For all of these other issues, it's got to come directly from the First Nations themselves. It can no longer be a bunch of 
policy advisors sitting around a table thinking, well, what is it that we can do and just imposing it on First Nations? That doesn't work. Every time the federal government has tried to uh, improve or civilize us, we end up much, much worse off. But part of the path has already been laid out. So it's not like, you know, Justin Trudeau has to think of all of these things himself. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission came up with 94 recommendations that were pretty comprehensive. So, you know, he said, not only did Canada do this and it's resulted in intergenerational trauma, and now you see, you know, the the high rates of suicide and ill health and lack of education and, you know, um, some struggle with addictions and, and all of these other things. But look at all the ways in which you could improve it. You tried to kill language and culture, so fund language and culture uh, and First Nations schools on reserve. Um, he, he literally addressed every social ill, address housing, address water, um, a deal with the over-imprisonment of Indigenous peoples and, and the over-representation of kids in care and, and have an inquiry on murdered and missing Indigenous women and and all of these things that if he did nothing else but implement the TRC recommendations, we would be light years ahead of, of where we are right now. And because it's, it's, it's an unfair burden to just say we apologize for residential schools and now let's just get over it because it doesn't work that way. We have, we have communities that are going to probably take generations to heal. Think about 500 years of colonization and oppression has worked really well. And, and it's going to take a long time for many of our communities to heal. And, but there's so, many, there's so many options laid out in front of him. The Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples set a path, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the United Nations... Um, have set out numerous reports and recommendations about what Canada can do. It literally just has to decide to do it. It doesn't need a law, it doesn't need a constitutional reform, and it certainly doesn't need the consent of every single person in Canada. You don't need any of that to just do the right thing. And I think so long as First Nations are directing it, any of these promises that uh, that he has made, especially around nation to nation and and TRC and the murder of missing Indigenous women, will will go a long way not just to to repairing the relationship, but to, but to healing the wounds and accounting for all of those that we've lost. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about these issues. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Anytime. You just heard an interview with Dr. Pamela Palmiter, a Mi'kmaq lawyer, associate professor, and chair in Indigenous Governance at Ryerson University. Her book, Beyond Blood, Rethinking Indigenous Identity, focuses on the legal, political, and social implications of Indian status. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. Feminist Current is a syndicated show produced by Megan Murphy out of Vancouver, BC, Canada. For more information on the show, please visit www.feministcurrent.com. If your station would like to air Feminist Current, you can find episodes at audioport.org or email us at info at
Mercy, 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 mercy. Thank you.